if we get through this and we rescue our friend Periwinkle. Remember, it's, this is about Periwinkle. Mr. Party! No point in me. No point in me doing some work if I'm not going to come back alive. Am I right? Oh, shit. So it is a warm day in Baldur's Gate when you lay young Periwinkle Turtle Bomb to rest. Death came quickly. One day your friend simply began to waste away. No cleric or paladin could stop the death curse from taking your young cohort, just as the healers of Faerun couldn't stop the dreaded affliction from taking any who died in the past. You've seen many people gone before their time these past 10 days, but uh, this one, it hurts the most. You stand before a small crowd, gathered at a shrine in a quaint cemetery near Baldur's Gate, and a cleric in front of the shrine begins to speak. Uh, we are here today to pay tribute to a young, and he pulls out like a little scroll and kind of reads it briefly, Harry Winkle Turtlebaum, here at this uh, shrine of Taimora, and uh, typically we'd have some next of kin come and make some words, but uh, as we have uh, been able, unable to find any next of kin, we asked around his uh, previous employer, the uh, Cock, Cock Goblin, Cock Goblins, yes, all right, not a mistake. And, uh, well, drew up a list of names of people that he said that he was uh, close with. So, uh, here we are, and, uh, well. And then as the mourners, uh, or as everyone kind of gathers around, he kind of, uh, looks down at the scroll. And he says, typically, the next of kin would pay some, uh, money to the uh, city to allow for the creation of a plaque to uh, enshrine him here in this. And he puts his hand on the little shrine behind him. And, uh, but, uh... Due to lack of funds, the employer has instead uh, contributed a, a different kind of plaque, which I shall place uh, here. And he kind of just hangs this sign uh, right by the, the shrine. And uh, also by the sign, there you see like it has one of those classic like uh, funeral portraits, you know, like a, just like a picture frame with like flowers and stuff on it. And uh, you know that this is a picture of Periwinkle before... He died the first time. Um, and the first time he died was, as you guys know, to alcohol poisoning. And uh, at the time, you had tried to gather up some funds to uh, pay for resurrection for your for your young friend. But as you know, it's extremely expensive, and you were a little short oh, on cash. Damn it! But it had, happened to be uh, the day that that happened. Um, there was a traveling artificer named Sherwin Gizmo who was passing through Baldur's Gate, and he heard your cries, and he offered to uh, to do the resurrection at a discount. And uh, but you guys know the results of that, which was uh, more something close to this, which is a uh, droopy-faced, almost doll-like version of Periwinkle. It's the Sixth Sense picture you gave me before, yeah. Josh. Green stuff coming that, out. That of sign mouth. wasn't quite as accurate though as it was supposed to be. Well, <laughs> next time you can make it. <laughs> it's really high. It's hard to find your specific your specificity of little cock. Three goblins' heads with something in their mouths, like their okay, cheeks are cold. Okay. That's as close as I All can right, get. Let me just explain this for the There's listeners. There's only two goblin heads here. I. It was supposed to you be three, on the sign. <laughs> three, three kind of like sexy looking goblin heads with like grins, and it looked like there was heads. something in their mouth because their cheek was pucked out. But then, like, out of their mouth was chicken heads but they were like smiling and winking to like the viewer and then you know and the way it's spelled is cock goblins is spelled with two n's so it's like kind of like good eatings when you think of like it's not just it's a play on words because it's a goblin but like also 
Two they're bees. Gobbling, they're gobbling two bees as well, right? Yes. Sorry, all this nuance was lost on me in the Slack message. I'll do better next time. <laughs> Is it like they have the whole chicken in their mouth and the head sticking out? Yes. But okay. the but the but the chicken is not upset by this. They're just winking at you with like a. Like well, yeah. A why would they be upset about this? They're in on yeah. it, right? Yes. <laughs> they're in on. They're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> they're not dead yet. So, uh, so he goes on and just kind of gives some like general information, like oh, he was a young boy and blah blah blah, and he's then he finally turns to the group, and uh, now I'd like to to have a few words from the close relations of Mister Periwinkle. Uh, so first, do we have a, uh, a, a, a bee Pemberton? Is there a bee Pemberton here with us today? Yeah, yes. Yes, I'm here. Um, and gestures for you to, like, go up to the shrine where he was standing. He kind of steps to the side. If you would but, say uh, some words about uh, I, Periwinkle. I really didn't know him all that well. It's more of a business, really. I, I'll, I'll say something. Well, we're gathered here today to mourn for the passing of a young person. That we all knew, very eccentric, and um, well, let's just hope that there's something that he went on to that's better than his existence on this life. And um, yes, well, there, there we have it. Don't do, don't we? Thank you, thank you, everyone. And uh, the priest would just kind of step in your place and come up and be like, "Wow, that's, those were definitely some, those were some words." Uh, next, how about a Mister uh, H. Buckaby? Is there Mr. H. Buckaby gathered with us today? At that point, you see, uh, you see, like a large human-sized uh, chicken stand up, <laughs> and uh, looks just like uh, Foghorn Leghorn, and uh, he kind of like waddles up there. His uh, mannerisms, I would say, kind of similar to Rodney Dangerfield. The uh, he gets up there and uh, kind of like adjusts his feathers at the top. He's he's. Uh, yeah, we uh we gathered here uh to talk about old uh old uh what's his name is uh Periwit yeah nice boy Periwinkle, but uh, yeah. but you know about sharp as a throw pillow if you ask me <laughs> well uh you know we're here to uh you know honor his uh his duties yeah he uh he did my fine job cleaning my room I had uh sometimes I would uh. Make a mess of things, if if you know what I mean. Over at the old cop goggles, you know what I'm talking about, girls down there. And he like points out to like a couple of like, like, like hookers that are like in the distance, and they're all just like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> oh right, uh, old uh, yeah, old Chad here. He was uh, was chat with Chad, right? Oh fuck, I I don't know. Um, he, yeah, good kid. And then he just uh. Starts walking away, back down to sit down. Well, I could definitely feel the love there in Mr. Huckabee's statement. Not Huckabee. Whoops, that's the uh, politician I'm going to confuse you with for the entire <laughs> the entirety of the campaign. <laughs> campaign. That's that's uh, a Mr. Huckabuckabee. Thank you very much. Um, uh, next, we'd like some words from a. Uh, I don't know if this is his actual name. As there is a, a, a Rick D. Rick D. Rick. And he kind of. He's a little shocked to blurt that out and he'll take a step back. Oh, then, please, if you would. Yeah. Well, he's uh, pretty tall, half-orc. Looks more human than orc. He walks up to, uh, I guess, in front of the photo. Just Periwinkle was one of the toughest dudes I ever, ever party with. 
Now, I don't mean tough like he could he could take a punch, but boy could drink. Drink himself to death that one time. And now, and now he's drinking and drinking up in heaven with the gods. Oh, buddy, I'm going to miss you. He'll take out a flask and he'll pour it over the photo. <laughs> On the flowers <laughs> in the photo. And probably as the alcohol hits the flowers, they start to curl a little bit. I miss you, buddy. He'll walk away. Stomping. The priest kind of just takes a step over some of the spilled alcohol and gets back in front of the portrait. That was a beautiful tradition. Uh, yes, well, let's continue. Uh, next we have uh, Mr. Gator. Is it Mr. Gator with us today? And uh, a big green mountain of a creature that stands about two meters tall. He's just all bulk and barely any muscle definition. Uh just got this fat head that kind of sprouts out of gigantic, enormous trapped muscles that go all the way up to his ears. And he kind of hears his name and he slowly turns his head towards the stage and stomps over there, brushing past a couple of ladies, it looks like, and also the large chicken man. (laughs) And he... uh, slowly turns around to face the crowd and he lowers his head dramatically and then he slowly raises his face to the crowd and makes eye contact with each one of those gathered and says periwinkle brother he was the best just my boy i ever done known now i'm the big gator and I feel no pain, no pain, no pain. But I do lack something standing here today in front of you. Cause I done lost my corner man. There we go. I remember that time I saved you from that man was going to rape you. It was by accident. I just turned around and slugged him. Cause it disturbed my deep thoughts. There we go, brother. Throws his head back as he says that. You're going to be missed, and we're going to find out a way what to bring you back again, because we can't live without you. We can't survive without you. But to those of your friends assembled here today, brothers, feel no pain. Take Gator's example. March alongside me, and we're going to find a way. He just uh, exhales with spittle flying out from between his tusks that jut out of his lower jaw as his eyes go completely white except for his two pinpricks of pupils in the center. And he uh, once again makes eye contact with everyone before uh, overly intensely marching off the stage, just seething and rocking from foot to foot. Yeah, the priest's jaw is just a gape. As he has no words. <laughs> if the camera pans over the crowd, they'll see a tear in Rex's eye. I don't know if I can handle those uh, 11 levels of WWE promos. That's, that was intense. <laughs> Vader really was at his Vader was really at his peak in, in WCW, but it's okay. All right. I was worried no one would get the reference if I said WCW. Um, <laughs> wow. Young people may be watching, you know. Um, so the priest will take a wide berth of you as you 
exit the stage and uh, he'll climb back up and uh, he'll say, well, that was uh, truly a passionate statement. Well, here we are going to close with a statement from a uh, D-Benus. D-Benus! And looks around and then uh, Dennis, as you uh, as you're there, you're not there alone. To the right of you, you're here with uh, Romalia Haventry, who is uh, your superior in the Harpers, and is highly respected. She's very stern um, by the books, uh, but she's known for her results. And she's this very thin, elegant-looking, um, beautiful sun elf. And uh, as your name is called, she turns to you and uh, elaborate. Don't say anything embarrassing, all right? Your own business. I reply, I understand. And I walk up to the front. I'd like to thank Mr. Gator, Buckaby, Pemberton, and Wrecked for their thoughts on poor Pemberton. Pemberton. Periwinkle. <laughs> and I didn't know a lot of the things about Periwinkle that I learned today, but I did want to share his time teaching me the sword. All of those times, he gave me the instruction that I needed to advance. I need more swords. All of these times, the practice, the encouragement, the yelling. He was but a, he was a boy of 12 when I met him. I believe he's still a boy of 12 now that he's dead. <laughs> but, unfortunately, oh shit. Unfortunately, this new death curse has taken me, has given me a new profound sense of anger and determination. I will avenge you, Periwinkle. We, we will all avenge you. I put my sword back in my sheath and I walk back to stand next to Revalia. And Gator just, uh, when he says we will all avenge you, he just emits an incredibly loud piercing whistle that just cuts through the more appropriate silence and goes, Rrr! So probably towards the tail end of when uh, Dennis was speaking, you can see like some of the cleric's staff, they start just taking things down and uh, the cleric will stop, step back up in front of the shrine and just be like, well, that will conclude the proceedings for today. Feel free to uh, stay at the shrine and, and mourn as you see fit. Uh, anyone seeking services at Time War can meet me downtown at the uh, Temple District in Baldur's Gate. I'm there from Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Thank you. Two people who stood at the back, the one I mentioned before, uh, one is the female sun elf, and the other is uh, an older but still spry-looking uh, individual dressed in noble finery. And uh, she has a also a, this long black cloak and is wearing this silver mask. And those are the only two that remain. So, Dennis, I mentioned before, you know uh, Romalia as your employee. You do not know this masked individual, uh, but you do know that you came here together. And uh, as the other mourners start to head home, you guys are approached by Romalia, uh, Dennis, and this masked individual. And I guess before they, they come up to you, is there anything that uh, anyone wanted to do at the shrine? Before I, kind of I would have I would have passed the priest a, a gold a gold piece for his service. Uh, he'll uh, he'll take it from you and say donations are always welcome. What'd you say your name was there? Wrecked. Wrecked. I'll remember that. Good. You better. I'm coming up in a world. I could I could tell that by your speech. You are 
quite uh, talented in the verbal arts. Eloquent was the word I was searching for. I said verbal arts instead. I'm a great orator. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a great orator. (laughs) Good with that mouth. (laughs) Romalia will kind of, as everyone's in basically the same location, she'll kind of turn to the whole group and she'll say, those were some beautiful words today. Quite moving. She looks maybe longer at Big Gator than she does at anyone else. There is a chance, you know, that you could still save your friend. And she kind of looks over to the death portrait. Do you think you'd be willing to talk to us? Words. Back again. And uh, she'll turn to Dennis. And maybe Dennis has, at this point, had not heard much of what Romalia's intentions were uh, in being here, other than that she insisted at being at your friend's funeral today. And uh, she says, uh, myself and my associate here, and she kind of gestures to Dennis, Mace's character, uh, we work for an organization that we only have the best interests of mankind at heart, and this death curse is affecting not just people here in Baldur's Gate, but all over the realms. I think we, we have some clues as to what may be going on, but we need confirmation. And we think we've found a source of information, but they're not going to be a willing source. I'd like to share more with you, but I need your agreement that you all would be willing to assist us. <laughs> we can make them talk! And he slaps uh, the other half-orc on the shoulder. Ain't that right, brother? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. What organization did you say you were from? For the betterment of humanity? Of course, you could tell us. Um, she'll kind of just uh, take a, a moment to look at uh, over towards Dennis. And uh, then she's looking for you for confirmation whether or not you think uh, it would be wise to, to share that information with Pemberton or not. Mm, I look at, I look back at Ravali and say, well, he comes from old money. Perhaps he's capable of keeping a secret or at least not going around shouting about it without... Oh, I can guarantee my discretion in matters of privacy. We represent the Harpers. Ah, enough said. I think me and my two friends here, and he'll like glance at each of the half-orcs, could assist you. Very well. So, the source of information I was talking about. Well, we have reason to believe that this death curse, as it's called, that's afflicting everyone, would afflict a different kind of being as well. A lich. And she kind of like pauses as she like looks around the group to see if there's any reactions. Uh, I would like to get a arcana check from those of you that are proficient. Pemberton and also collaborate, Dennis. Uh, you would know that the kind of like the implications of what this would mean for a lich, this death curse. So liches use a, you go, both of you know that liches use a phylactery to hold their souls as a way to extend their life. So if their body, which is an un, in, on an undead form at that point when they're a lich, if they are to be killed, uh, they will regenerate where their soul is kept. Uh, however, if there is something that is taking the souls of individuals uh, and not allowing for resurrection, that means if they are to die, if that phylactery is broken, their soul is going to disappear and it's going to end their existence. So uh, Romalia will continue and she'll say, we have located such a lich close to Baldur's Gate in the Cloakwood. It's about to be a day's journey from here. We're planning a raid. Our Harper forces, including you, she kind of looks to the group. We're going to storm her tower, and it's going to be you, our team, that's going to try to find her phylactery so we can use it for leverage for information. In the meantime, our team is going to be up top, fighting for as long as we have to. 
What are we waiting for? You can, you can hint. All right. I like your enthusiasm. My am this I? Is, uh, uh, couldn't help but listen over here. Uh, sounds like you need uh, some uh, services. This uh, maybe Harper's might be something good for uh, old old Huckabee. Buck Buck Buckabee. Huck Buckabee for it to, uh, you know, be at the service. Now, uh, this ain't going to be too dangerous, right? Well, we, we hope not. There's a lot of risk. We are dealing with a lich. Mm-hmm. The plan is for your team to go in through mm. the underground, below the tower, as nah. we just create a distraction above. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I just want to make sure we come back alive. That's what I'm saying. No point in me. No point in me doing some work if I'm not going to come back alive. Am I right? He kind of like, uh, you know, uh, elbows the uh, elbows the orc next to him. Yeah, you're you're right to be concerned, and uh, but we wouldn't have uh, come here today to talk with you about it if we didn't think that you all weren't capable of doing this. How is it going to help us get Periwinkle back? Well, if we can determine what's causing the death curse, we think we can find a way to reverse it or at least stop it. And at that point, perhaps resurrection will work again. We can only hope. What's this lich's reflectory, reflectory re, reflection got to do with anything? Well, the uh, flactory, if we have it in our possession, we can use it as leverage against a lich for whatever information she might have. She wouldn't dare strike us if we had the flactory, because as I mentioned, if uh, I didn't mention it, but as you guys kind of inferred through the implications of what the death curse has uh, effects on a lich, if we have it in our possession, if we break it and we slay her, then she's gone for good. There's nothing a lich values more than their life. All right. I thought you said this lich was dead. Well, gentlemen, I, I do think that it would be the first step on the road to saving our friend Periwinkle, everyone, if we perhaps cooperated with the Harpers. And he gives like a sidelong glance to, um, to this Harper representative. And then it's at that point uh, the masked woman behind her, behind Romalia, will kind of, kind of slink forward a little bit. And uh, she moves rather slowly. Uh, you can see uh, kind of bandages that kind of dangle out from underneath her cloak. Romalia will kind of say, oh yes, this is uh, Syndra. She has agreed to finance this operation herself. She will be responsible for rewarding you when we're successful. And uh, she'll start to speak and she'll say... You know, you're not, you don't do this just for your friend. There are many that are going to be grateful for your service. I hope we can speak in longer once you've completed your raid. There was a time when I would do such things, but those times are long past. And she kind of like clutches at her ribs, like just talking maybe causes her pain. And uh, Romalia will turn to her and say, yes, let's, uh, let's be moving. The plan is for one of our agents, Calibrax. He's a halfling. Uh, you'll see him. He'll meet you where the river meets the sea, on the western edge of Baldur's Gate. He will ferry you in a keelboat down along the coast until you find the cave where you will enter the tower. We'll leave tomorrow morning. Take today to make whatever preparations you need, and, well, good luck. Well, it seems like you have the plan worked out, but um, what is the remuneration? And, as my friend mentioned, uh, would we get assistance in raising Periwinkle through this? I think that's our that's our real goal, isn't it, gentlemen? And he turns to the two half orcs, saving our friend Periwinkle. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Rex already got. He took out two axes, his two hand axes, and he's like clanging them together. He's all excited. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do this yeah. and we save Periwinkle. <laughs> Very good now. Very good. Tomorrow. <laughs> the rivers. And uh, you can see your Romalia. She's uh, smiling. And uh, Dennis knows this smile. This isn't just a smile of like actual joy. This is like the, the smile she gives when she knows like a plan is coming together that she's put in place. You son and, of a bitch. Um, I'm in. She says, uh, she says, and one more thing you must know. While we will be creating distraction, the moment that you have the phylactery, it won't be unguarded for one thing. And the other is likely the lich. And she'll kind of turn to the group. Zaldara is her name. She calls herself the Duchess of Rot. She kind of rolls her eyes. She's likely to know when the phylactery is taken. So when you have it, you need to get out of the tower as fast as possible. As fast as possible. She kind of really emphasizes that. Thank you. I'll leave you to your grief. It was a beautiful ceremony. Truly. And she starts to try to walk away with... Uh, it was. The yeah, woman. yeah. Great, great service. I say we go back and uh, have our reception now. Ladies. Sounds yeah. good. He nods to two to, uh, hookers in the back. <laughs> oh, Hawk, you're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he puts his feathery arms about both, each of them as they start walking back. Gentlemen, I must discuss um, some terms of the plan. If you'll excuse me, I'll see you at the reception. And he's going to run down the uh, the masked woman and whatnot. Dennis walks back up to the uh, podium to where the the uh, picture of Perinkle was. And he takes one last look, bows. Periwinkle, I swear, I'll do you right. And he cuts with many, with many, many, many slices. He cuts up the picture over and over and over and over again. He finishes, he puts his blade back in his sheath and he samurai walks away. I'm wondering if like, if, if this would have changed at all if I had not told you there were sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> All the sword swings. Um, so if you'll suffer me to talk straight. Yes, I'm actually, I'm happy to speak with you, Pemberton. I, I, I knew your father. He was a, yes, a good man. He was a man. grand man. Yes. yes. If you'll, um, well, I seem to have acquired muscle for your treasure hunt, but I would like something in return for going and finding this item for you. See, my father was on an expedition and uh, we seem to have run into some trouble with the fists and financing and I was wondering if the uh, Harpers couldn't build their bill for us if we uh, are successful in our lich capers I think that's something I could arrange yes Smashing. I mean truly if you find the information that we're looking for if this lich truly knows something about what could be causing the death curse then I'll oh, use everything in my power to, to assist you in an investigation of course of course and I'm fairly certain that my father's expedition is related to this death curse. So if you could divert any funding to us, you know, help everyone, of course. It's very Not good. <laughs> Pemberton gives her a pat on the back. Thank you for your words about my father. He will be missed. She kind of just keeps nodding. Yes. He was a good man. Give me an insight check, Pemberton. She speaks of him as like someone would speak about a lover. I... Get the feeling that you knew him more than a business capacity. He was uh, he known for his philandering. Yes, he, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, being one of his... Uh, well, I was just a mercenary at the time. But I was hired on as a crew for one of his expeditions. Were there any children? Perhaps. It's, it's been a long time ago. I trust they've been taken care of properly. What? 
<laughs> the Pemberton's do have deep pockets, you know. I don't have resources at my disposal, but... She doesn't know if she had a kid? <laughs> if they need anything. I thought he was asking, were there children on the expedition? Like, no! Like a young version of Pemberton was there. Do you remember me? Not, did you have kids? Did you have kids with his father? Contact have- me privately. And uh, please be discreet about this matter, but we do take care of our own, you know, no matter their origins. It was a long time ago. I don't remember child labor. Um, Yes, uh, of course. Yes. Well, well, hopefully we'll have time to speak uh, on your father in a more, uh, and she kind of looks around at the graveyard that you're sending in, in a more, uh, more relaxed capacity sometime soon. It just occurred to me, you do know that he's dead, right? She nods. Yes, I had I had heard that yes. there was, right, yes. or that he had heard he'd went missing. I presume dead. Yes. Would, uh, yes. Well. Well. Until next time. <laughs> They're both trying to like awkwardly kill the Well, look at I'd, the time. I gotta gonna use my walker to get out of this graveyard. Could I? Could I ask her if I can? Because yeah. it sounds like a hairy situation. Can I bring backup from City Watch? So any uh, insinuation of like bringing in more people than it's already here, uh, Romalia will immediately cut it off. And she says, no, okay. this is, you need to keep this down low. We don't want any word getting out to the lich that we could be possibly encroaching on her territory. These, these creatures, they have eyes and ears everywhere. We don't know who could be an agent of theirs. Keep it to yourself. All right. And then overhearing that conversation, he'd be like, Hey, uh, Pemberton, you know I'm a, I'm a half-orc. I might be uh, I might be a relative of yours. How about hooking me up with some money, too, huh? Uh, well, let's settle that after we acquire this treasure. Perhaps um, I'll check the family records. But oh, yeah, um, sure. I guarantee sure, yeah. if we get through this and we rescue our friend Periwinkle. Remember, it's, this is about Periwinkle. Let's go get him. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hook's already returned to the cock goblin. All right. Um, what are you going to be doing at the, the cock goblin, Huck? Well, what, what I, mean, I do every night. Goblins, right? That's right. When uh, you know when he when he comes in to the the cock goblins, it's uh, kind of like there there's like a girl at the counter. Imagine like who you would imagine is like a uh, kind of like maybe someone trying to make it through college, working at like a Chuck E. Cheese. Just like not like an actual hooker, just like a normal, <laughs> like minimum wage, working girl, and she's got like these cheesy like goblin ears on, and then she greets me like, "Welcome to cock goblins. If your goblins, if your cock's not gobbled in fifteen minutes or less, your next cock goblin's free. If you're not goblin cock in fifteen minutes or net." <laughs> <laughs> I needed more of this detail at character creation. You thought about this way more than I thought you did. <laughs> oh, do we need to get commissions? Of course, she says it in a very like disinterested way. Like she's just doing it because her manager makes her say that. <laughs> so she doesn't have team spirit about it. No. Shit, if you're not goblin or cock in 15 minutes or less. <laughs> cock goblins. Been called goblin cock since 638. <laughs> That's about 1,100 years in terms of in-game calendar. <laughs> they have a strong it's heritage an institution. of institution. All right, then. Um, so if you're going to be partaking, uh, can you give me a constitution save? Just to uh, see how well I handled the uh, VD. 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, Hockey, you have your festivities uh, celebrating the life of Periwinkle in the same way you would celebrate every night, I guess. And uh, the next morning, whenever you wake up, you feel fine for the most part. It's a good night. You feel refreshed. I don't even have. I don't even know where gold is on this sheet. Yeah, it's at the very bottom. There's a place for tre- called Treasure. That's where you're supposed to type in your gold if you had any. It's just whatever your background is, right? Yeah, whatever you got at character creation. There's like you got like a little bit. I forget what it is, like 50 gold or something like that. Ten. Um, <clears throat> ten. Sure. All right. Ten. Ten. It is. By, by two axes. <laughs> now you're broke. Motivation. Is he broke if he has four fucking axes though? It's like saying, are you broke if you have a refrigerator? You're still broke. <laughs> Hey, you want to get a drink? <laughs> yeah, I want to get a drink. <laughs> I think we'll go to Cock Goblin soon. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Pemberton will also follow the crowd to Cock Goblins. <laughs> All right. So it's a uh, the kind of like big white houses you would see on like a plantation almost, like with the big it's two story house yeah. with the big columns in the front, and then there's a big banister on the second floor, kind of overlooking. Um, but the building itself, it's uh, close detail shows that it's pretty dilapidated. Uh, but there's been a lot of paint jobs to try to cover everything up. It varies in shades. Like, you know, you can tell the certain eye would tell there's like a eggshell white mixed in with like a bleach white and then all sort of kind of stuff. So it's just like all blotchy looking. It smells like bleach in there too, I bet. Probably. Or Periwinkle would know that very well. Or he knew it very well. Is there like an employee of the month picture? It's got Periwinkle's droopy <laughs> face in it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll say uh, there's a there's like yeah there's kind of like an employee of the month kind of plaque on the wall, and um, it's not there's not pictures on there that's cost money, and this place is not the kind of place that would put out money for their employees. So there's just it just says PT, you know his initials PT PT PT, and uh, there's also an initial of HB, which you remember was at one time a couple months ago where Huck uh, volunteered to work there just for a few weeks, and you did a bang up job. Do you remember exactly what you did? With cock goblins that left such a good impression. <laughs> uh, I guess it was the extra services he'd provided. <laughs> Covered an entire wall. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, Gator uh, and Wrecked. Um, anything particular you wanted to do there? Or are you just kind of having a good time? Yeah, just celebrating the life. Nah, just being loud and uh, intimidating people casually. <laughs> intimidating people casually. I love it. Under the under the employee of the month month plaque or whatever, there's going to be like a like you know just like a shittily drawn sign that says like now hiring. Custodial <laughs> <laughs> services needed. Um, so we'll move to the following morning. Uh, the party you have gathered at the uh, edge of the river along the coast, um, and you will see a halfling, kind of uh, he's like loaded with uh, different scrolls and whatnot, and he's got uh, these kind of balloon balloon almost like uh mc hammer type of white khaki like pants khaki colored pants and like a red tunic he's got short hair looks very young spry when he sees you approach he'll kind of like throw his arms up in the air and he'll be like hey and he kind of notices dennis's right away and he comes up to dennis and he's like dennis good to see you remember me from uh graduation yeah how you been i did my research i remember your hairy feet and you can see he's got a nice little keelboat behind him. And uh, it's early morning, so sunrise is coming up over the ocean behind him. 
it's kind of an, a beautiful site. Not many people are down here at this section of the city. Um, this is usually like the washout point for a lot of sewage and whatnot. So really foul smells, but very nice imagery. And uh, he kind of looks at the keelboat and looks at the group and he's like, well, hope you guys are light on your feet. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sure you'll be fine. Everyone's ready? Wrecking. All right. Wrecking. Ah, it's because your name's wrecked. That's how you know my name. All right. I, I, it's my job. It's my job. I look over at him and say, it's on that piece of paper he's holding. (laughs) He like puts the paper like further down into his shirt (laughs) as you say that. (laughs) Then he's going to start the journey down the river. He'll be rather quiet the whole time. If you have any questions for him, just talk to him. But uh, as you travel along, he'll say, uh, so uh, what's going to happen once you guys grab the phylactery? You're going to make it back outside the tunnel. There's a cave entrance along the sea. As soon as you get the phylactery, run back out the way you came in, and I'm going to have a teleportation scroll ready, and we're going to get us out of here. Understood? Got you. Sounds like a good plan. All right, when we arrive, we're going to wait outside the tower. As soon as you hear the signal horn from Romalia and her team, it means that she's storming the tower, and uh, that's when we need to move. And, uh, yeah, I'll be waiting outside for you. Have you guys ever done a lich before? Kind of looks at everyone. Is uh. Do, do you mind if I leave my bags on the boat? I oh, yeah. Go for it. I'll watch it. This much. All right. Thank you. And uh, are there any type of baggage carriers around or something that might watch them for us? Just worried someone might steal them while we're away. And Gator interrupts and says, well, You think this little guy's some kind of thief? I hate thieves and I hate cheats. And he just uh, turns and squares up on Calibrax and he says, And jabs his finger in his direction that says, You better buy, not be no kind of dirty thief, brother, or else you're going to pay the price. And he's just, you know, pushing the keelboard along as you're kind of like barking at him. And he's getting like spit all over in his face. And he just kind of puts a very unchanging smile. He says, no worries. And then he wipes his face off a bit. And he goes, <laughs> and he turns back around to Pemberton and says, I think he's on our side, brother. Yeah, yes, I think we can trust the young man with the baggage. Uh, you'll look after them, won't you? Yeah, of course. And then he'll like just keep turning to Dennis like, what the fuck? Thank you for your assessment, my, my good man. I'm a good judge of character. You gotta read. Everybody's out to cut your throat. You gotta know how to read somebody. Right. Yes. Dennis looks at Calibrax and he opens his mouth to laugh and he laughs, but no sound comes out. So it's just a silent And then he closes his mouth and looks back and looks back forward where the boat is going. It'll be later that evening that you finally arrive. Uh, the evergreen trees of the Cloakwood rustle in the distance. Calibrex steers the boat along a rocky shore. See that? Pointing up to this like black monolith tower appearing just above the dark forest. And I'll say, Zaldara, we're close. And then minutes later, the wind howls. A lonely note as Calibrex brings the ship up on the shore. And a small cliff about 10 feet up. Uh, rises from the rocks, and atop the cliff you can see dense trees and Zaldar's lair poking out from above. So he hops uh, into the knee-deep water, and he starts motioning for you to grab your equipment. And the water is like ice cold. He walks onto the shore, touches the cliff wall, and you see him starts, he starts muttering some sort of like arcane incantation. And as he does, uh, that portion of the wall that just looked like a sheer piece of rock um, starts to split. 
just like like out of Lord of the Rings kind of when you're looking for that portion of the door and uh, was it Minds of Warrior or something like that. In that same way, it kind of opens up, reveals a stone stair going upwards into the darkness. Number 10 is still on the boat, kind of like mucking around with his baggage. And then he'll uh, like start putting on some super heavy, like a chain mail shirt type thing and like a helmet. And then takes out this like 10 foot lance that he's very awkwardly carrying and kind of hustle up to the rest of the party. Gator uh, rolls out of the boat, splashes into the water like a scuba diver, but less practiced. Uh, and he kind of swims like a hippopotamus up to the shore and uh, clambers <laughs> his way onto the sand. And uh, his his <laughs> his black uh, buckskin pants are drooping a little, so he pulls them up and adjusts his thin red suspenders, which is which is the only thing that he wears on his upper body. Huck, uh, Huck just flies over there. But, like, the way that Huck flies is, like, uh, like imagine, like, an, like, a shitty 90s or 80s movie that has, like, flying people, where it's just, like, they're humanoid size and they flap their arms, but not nearly enough times to actually realistically <laughs> lift the body. Free lift, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of, like, maybe, like, a couple, like, two or three slow flaps, and then it just kind of, like, floats up. And uh, off screen, like you can and then see you the just, wire. And then, yeah, and then you just see him come from off screen as he lands down over there. It was only like a ten feet distance. <laughs> <Just flew it>. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis stands up, and without moving his arms, he just starts. He just starts walking normally. He walks normally to the edge of the boat, then off the edge of the boat and straight into the water. And then about two minutes later, he emerges in the same position, still walking towards the shore it was i don't think it was that deep maybe you went a roundabout way to find the deep spot and then <laughs> came back <up. laughs> all right is wrecked uh is wrecked revealing himself in any kind of way like that he's good where is gonna he's gonna check his gears battle axe okay axes two three four armor helmet okay shield okay yeah let's go he's just jump in the water like he's getting ready for work yep just like he'd get ready for work he's still wearing his uniform all right so everyone gets off the boat um, you're kind of ready, waiting for Calibrex's signal or for the horn signal. And then suddenly a, uh, the silence breaks as uh, your heart starts to fill with adrenaline and dread as the horn kind of blares out from the woods in the distance. Calibrex just turns to you with a very kind smile and he says, well, that's it. Good luck. Be quick. And he has a scroll kind of pulled out waiting as he looks towards the stairs. Does that horn provide some bardic inspiration or anything for us to take with us? <laughs> Nope. Pemberton is still wearing his like explorer's hat, but then he just has like a chain mail shirt over the top piece and he's got like one of those big long like jousting things with the red and white stripes down. It's like way too big. I got like very like uh, Don Quixote vibes for Pemberton when he goes into the battle. Similar, yeah. But no horse. All right. And he will hang back. Oh. So yeah, is there anyone who's kind of leading the charge here into the uh, caves? I'm leading with some stealth. Okay, you want to be stealthy, all right? I feel like I would know the most, so I would be up front, too. You enter into the stairs, and you rise up. Drip, drip, drip. I'm going to pee on you. Drip, drip, drip. The only thing to make my life complete is to turn your face to a toilet seat. <laughs> I'm going to pee on you. And then his you. life is complete. <laughs> so the uh, hollow sound that pierces the silence in this cave as water slowly falls from stalactites stale air fills your lungs as you take in the cave. A large, unworked stone column 
holds up the ceiling. Stout stairs leading up hug the columns one side while a five-foot-high ledge that leads into the darkness appears on the other. Further back, a second set of stairs leads up to a stone door carved with a skull. Oh, yes, and there are piles of bones and corpses along the right side of the cave. Are there any goods in these piles of corpses, or is it just straight-up bones? Don't see any weapons on them. Okay. Just bones. Then I will ignore it. We need to find this lich. Let's be on our way. The ceiling, just for the reference for the flyer in the group, uh, the ceiling is 20 feet tall. Okay. I'm checking out some of these bones. All right, give me an investigation. Yeah. You did? All right. Uh, so you look through the pile of bones there, and the only thing remarkable you notice is there are clear gnawing marks, well, especially the large ones like the femurs and whatnot, where something had been chewing on this. Something's been chewing on these bones, boys. I see teeth marks all over them. I found a gift to represent what I was talking about earlier. Sorry, just, uh, just I was looking just now and I found it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Power Rangers? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to look for footprints of some kind of creature besides us in here. Uh, give me a uh, survival check for that. Nat 20. I'm a cop, you idiot. First Nat 20, baby. Yeah, you can uh, notice some, well, I guess leading to this pile of bones. Going from the pile of bones up to the left, up that uh, stone set of stairs that I mentioned before, uh, there's clear footpaths there of maybe two to three creatures, but they look to be about the same size, um, roughly. Same foot pattern, which is humanoid, human-like in nature. But it would be bare feet, not uh, not booted feet. Does Dennis know the basic layabout and path of how we're going? I feel like he should know. No this stuff the harpers didn't even know no one's been inside okay. this tower before okay we've got two to three creatures dragging these bones out here i got footprints but uh you do and dennis would be quite aware of this because romalia would have pounded it into your head uh every moment that you guys spend the longer you are down here the more your harper colleagues are probably dying above as they're creating distractions so as dennis as you round the corner you see two skeletons they were kind of leaned up against the the column there, um, kind of hiding where they were. Uh, but they're dressed in some scraps of armor. They just kind of hang from their being. But as soon as they hear your footsteps, footfalls come up there, they start to stir. And uh, they have these old rusty long swords in their hands. And their black empty eye sockets just kind of turn to you. And they just slowly start to clamber your way. Need some initiative. Uh. We'll start with Huck. Dennis has climbed these stairs that are to the left there, right behind him, and moved up to a higher platform. I guess I'm just going to move up a little bit. Then I'm going to cast Sacred Flame. Uh, Huck's way like, oh, it's a uh, skelly boy over there. Uh, and then he, like, started, he pulls out this little book, and he's like, let's see, let's say a sacred, sacred flame. I, I got to cast. And he's like kind of like following the book as he's trying to do the spell. He's clearly not experienced in any of this stuff. Um, and then he uh, he starts says some words, and he's like, ah, Yep, they failed. Radiant damage for five. So in front of Dennis, this beam of like white light just shoots out of nowhere and blasts the skeleton, kind of rattles him, and you can see parts of his ribs and stuff just kind of fall and hit the ground, but the skeleton is still standing. Gator, your turn. So Gator was just kind of marching along behind person who was farthest ahead, which I guess was B-nests. And uh, when he rounds the corner and sees these skeletons, he kind of almost shoves b out of the way to march up to the first one. 
and he pulls this enormous uh, stiffened bull rope that he wears kind of around his neck that has two lead weights at either end of it, hangs down to about his waist on either side. He takes it out from his, around his neck and he's kind of like just laughing as he folds it in half and uh, takes a swing at the first skeleton. Okay, you destroy him <laughs> with your mace. So okay. it's just like a, yeah, a spray of bones just kind of explodes in the air as you smash him to bits. And Gator just kind of goes <laughs> and stomps on the corpse of the skeleton to get up to the next one. And I will tell you what happens based on this rule. So I'm going to use my bonus action unarmed strike. Yeah, so seven damage. So you blast into it, more bones fall to the ground, and the thing kind of just its jaw chatters at you. And it still stands up. So we'll say that that was uh, like a front kick, and he just blows like half of his pelvis away. And uh, Gator just kind of is uh, elated. Archibald. Coming onto the scene, um, Archibald's just going to take a second, and he's like absorbing everything that's going on. He's going to cast True Strike on himself. That's his turn. Dennis, your turn. I'm going to move right up next to this skeleton here unsheathe my sword and attack. That's a hit. Oh shit, it doesn't just give me damage as well. Okay. It's dead. I take my sword and I raise it high above my head and I just bring it down into the ground and he splits and falls to the ground in two two halves. And I laugh. (laughs) And the moment that the skeleton is split in two and hits the ground. A voice from the darkness whispers with this like dry rattle of death and malice. It says, by mistake or foolishness, you have come too far. Your soul will be used to feed my endlessness. Kind of echoes through the cave. Is it a sexy voice? It is feminine, but angry. I think we found our target, boys. And Gator just shouts into the darkness, you want to bet? Rekt will come up here. See these piles of bones? I missed the party! <sighs> He's got his two axes. He's just a bunch of dry rattling bones, brother. We better press on. We'll do it. Right, you can see there's some sort of water, kind of a little small river flowing through the eastern side there. And you guys push towards the left. So as Dennis says, he's the first one to walk into this room. Your light source, your torch, uh, is caught and refracted a hundred times by these large, uh, lightly pink-colored crystals coming out of the walls and ceiling. It's beautiful, I think to myself, as I continue through the cave. I have a job to do, a job that must be done by only me and these other guys with me. Can I inspect these crystals for a sec? Sure. Uh, Let's see. How would you like to inspect them? I want to touch one and kind of see if it's going to, like, poison me or something, or I want to, like, Uh, test it. Yeah, all right, so give me uh, an investigation check. Oof. Okay, you touch it, um, nothing happens. Uh, it's pretty obvious that the light, it's not really generating light itself, but it's refracting the light that's um, coming off of yours. It's like amplifying okay. it almost. Does it feel like a gem? Does it feel like a stone? Yeah, based on your investigation check, you think that uh, they're probably worth something. And they seem to be kind of loosely fitted into the stone. It's not like they're a part of the rock. Like you can see even like little tiny ones that had fallen off maybe previously um, are on the ground. 
Um, but the larger ones are still attached to the wall. Any of you all know what a phylactery looks like? Uh, can I roll Arcana or something to know what a phylactery looks say, like? Dennis probably knows, doesn't he? Yeah, Arcana check for uh, both Dennis and Archibald. Then. Dennis thinks, yeah, phylactery could be anything. Um, but uh, Archibald maybe is, uh, has a little more uh, information, historical knowledge, maybe stories about other liches of the past. And uh, usually they tend to be something that appears very mundane. Um, it wouldn't be some like large locked canister somewhere that says phylactery on it. It would be something maybe like a small vial or um, could be like a necklace that was given to somebody else, like a, just a regular person that's being worn around town. Could be a book, could be anything that a normal person would just easily glance over. But yeah, Pemberton, well, um, I don't think that one of these crystals would be the phylactery. It's more likely to be a mundane object, perhaps a book, a scroll, file, something like that, hidden in plain sight. So Dennis does an investigation of this room to look for any mundane objects. I'll grab a crystal if I could just pull one out. All right. Um, so you reach out, grab one of the crystals, and <clears throat> can you give me a charisma saving throw, Rekt? <laughs> Let me uh, can P Pemberton do detect, detect magic as well? Uh, you can. Uh, give me one second to resolve this. So, uh, yeah, um, everyone sees Rekt reach out kind of very uh, nonchalantly, grab a crystal. Maybe he holds it up and looks at everyone, and then a second later, <laughs> he phases out of existence. He's gone. Oh, shit. The in-game atmosphere and music in this episode is provided by Sirenscape. Sirenscape.